How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Easy Peasy Podcast, where we discuss living better through permaculture, mindfulness, decentralization, freedom, flow, agorism, anarchy, and more. We'll discuss how to solve life's complex problems with simple solutions. This is Mike the Polymath coming from the Easy Peasy Workshop in Indianapolis, Indiana, the crossroads of America. Thanks for joining me. happening welcome to episode 109 of the easy peasy podcast i've got two good friends of the show on tonight i would say probably my two best supporting listeners uh most most regular most loyal and uh a couple of guys that i that i chat with a fair amount online uh, one who I've met in person and had on the show before and one who I have not. So I think I'll start with the new guy, Garrett, uh, also known as OG Dad Bod uh, on Instagram. Uh, this is this is his first time on the show. So, Garrett, why don't you, uh, if you would, tell us just briefly like who you are, what you're all about. Uh, I understand you're working right now. So the fact that you can be on the show is kind of cool. Maybe tell us like what you do for work, if you would, uh, and all that good stuff. All right. So my name's uh, Garrett. Um, I guess you would say I'm in the environmental services industry, but I uh, I do water. Uh, most of it's like uh, ultra pure stuff for power plants and whatever. So I, I can always joke around Christmas that I keep the lights on. Um, other than that, uh, you know, I, I really got into the uh, you know freedom and liberty minded stuff. Uh, I guess when I was coming up, uh, during the age of Obama, uh, <laughs> that's when I kind of, you know, uh, started taking shape politically. And then, uh, I guess you would say it's kind of been extreme from there. So, um, just kind of come full circle, uh, really getting into the, uh, I guess you'd say liberty and anarchy, trying not to be a, uh, <laughs> a libertarian anymore. Uh, I think we all understand why that is, but, uh, yeah, just, trying to be freedom minded and, uh, independent. So cool, man. So it, it sounds like you're just like chilling in a diesel pickup right now. Yeah. Just, well, of- yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of watching a tank right now. I see. So, uh, nothing, nothing too pressing, but if anything blows up, we'll probably, we'll hear about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've got issues, but nothing I can fix right now. So, <laughs> okay. I got you. Cool, man. Well, uh, like I said, you know, we never met in person, but I actually had to ask you to be sure of that because I had this impression like we might have met at Childerberg or at Self-Reliance Fest because it seems like you're kind of aware of both of those events. Um, so you're pretty you're pretty plugged in, I guess, is what I'm what I'm getting at. Uh, even if we haven't met in person, are you planning on going to any of these 
events? Uh, I've been looking at uh, at Childerberg. I've just got to kind of prioritize my vacation uh, next mm-hmm. year. So I'm, I'm thinking uh, that would be a fun trip. I've just got to, you know, figure out uh, what I want to do for the year. Cool, so. man. Cool. All right. And Dennis, man, welcome back. Uh, remind the audience, you know, who the hell Dennis is. Um, you know, it's just me. I met you at Childerberg. <laughs> yeah. You know, we just met. We connected, man. And then I've I've followed you pretty closely on on Instagram just because it's where I was most active at the time. Um, for those of you curious, if you are, uh, shoot me a DM if you want to follow me for whatever fucking reason. Um, but it's what's my name fifty eight. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a couple pictures posted on there. It nothing <clears throat> like super personal so fuck it gonna say uh you know i've met you so i know what you look like but you're pretty anonymous on the on the instagram i guess kind of both of you guys really um but yeah anybody that didn't hear dennis and i's last episode we kind of got into the first half of the book right and that's kind of the idea of this this chat i was joking with garrett before you uh before you joined us dennis I was joking. It's like if you and I were just sitting and and talking about my book, and I'm like, how narcissistic is that? Like, <laughs> right, right. Like, I think I need to hear two other people talk about <laughs> the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, maybe I'll chime in or whatever. But well, uh, and what's nice is is I had that early look. I had the first rough draft, which was about I would say first third. You were originally thinking first half, but I'd say uh-huh. it was definitely more close closer to like the first third right. of the book yeah it was it, not much change there were some there were some tweaks and some things that were a bit different but i, I like the additions and you know mm-hmm. the tweaking yeah I, man I, I believe you changed up some of the the sequence of events maybe so you know it's funny because there's like one or two chapters that got swapped around swapped around yeah and i may <laughs> i may even yet make changes i don't know if i'll change the order of things but i don't know how closely uh how close you guys looked but there's you know essentially what y'all got was a nearly finished book <laughs> yeah know? there was like there's the, some uh some spelling errors in there there's a few mistakes and yep. the table of contents doesn't have any page numbers and <laughs> nope <laughs> Yep, because I I wanted to see where I'd stopped, because I was curious about where I had stopped at, you know, distance-wise in the book, Mm -hmm. and I looked, and there was just fucking no page numbers. No page numbers, yeah. That was a gross oversight. Um, Yeah, you know, see, like, part of me is kicking myself, because what I did is I made a deadline, right? Self-Reliance Fest. Mm -hmm. I wanted to be able to sell the book at Self-Reliance Fest. So I made that my deadline. I like finished, quote unquote, like two weeks before, you know, the festival. And I I ordered my copies and they took so much longer to print and to mail than I expected. So I didn't even get them in time, which kind of upset me. Um, So it's almost like I rushed it for no reason. But at the same time, you know, it's almost like it worked out because I got the motherfucker done, right? Yeah. And it was, it was kind of a, it kind of was all consuming for about a month. So it was, it was best that I 
put a deadline on it but i hope yeah. i hope it didn't feel rushed uh reading it at least i don't know no i think the pacing was really good i mm-hmm. honestly do um I, I i hated that it didn't go longer it was the only issue because by the ah, end it was great. just like it was building up and then you know things were resolved and it was like oh wow so where is is there a continuation because <laughs> that was the first thing I asked you whenever I got done reading. I was like, "Oh, I, I like I like the ending. I genuinely do like the ending ending um, because it very much feels like that there's gonna be at least some sort of continuation of the story in yeah. the at some point, which I'm sure you will. You're maybe a maybe not. I don't know. I mean, you know. between your poetry that was in the book and just the book itself and everything else in between. I feel like that you that you could do it. Just maybe not rush yourself as much this time. There's definitely things to learn, like putting page numbers in your tail, table of contents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I deserve at least like a little bit of shit for that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Garrett, you told me too that you uh, you enjoyed the ending. Like that's why I I yo I've mailed thirty some copies out, and I know a handful of folks have bought it direct from Amazon. Um, but you're the first two that have told me you finished it. And I guess, uh, I'm curious to hear Garrett, like, what was your, uh, like feeling at the end? You know, I was really pissed off that you left us hanging like that. I mean, you know, I I can, I can agree with that. It was so like, it was such a happy ending for everything that happened. And you just like, you kind of fucked us, you know, you're like, oh, we got to wait on the next book. (laughs) Yeah, see, and that's what I was trying to say without just being like, you know, fuck you. <laughs> well, that's the best fucking response I could ask for, honestly, right? Like, I want yeah. I want y'all to want more, right? Yeah. But um, I guess I should say at this point, like, spoilers, right? Like, spoilers, y'all. This episode's going to be probably full of spoilers about the book. So if you don't want to hear any spoilers fucking... Listen to a different episode, buy the book, and read it, and come back and listen to us later. Uh, but I don't want us to have to like tiptoe around okay. the plot or anything. So um, I kept my notes very vague for that reason. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm not worried my, about it. I'm not I worried my about my book it. out. That way, yeah. I have you know context with my notes because I, I tried to keep them pretty vague. Well, um, I don't have any specific questions per se but i'd be curious maybe to get both of your um i don't know if you have like a favorite scene or a favorite theme or a favorite moment i don't know oh man Uh, one of the hardest things to pick is a favorite scene just because it is a slow book at first there's a lot of going back and forth and perspective of time you know the Mm -hmm. present which is, you know, 2029 and then going back before the blackout. And so it kind of, it builds up a little bit slowly. However, I feel the pacing is good because you're thinking this is just going to be a boring book. And then about a third of the way through. that's not what people think. Damn, Dennis. (laughs) (laughs) But about a third of the, a third of the way through shit starts getting spicy. Of course it's, there's (laughs) other stuff. It's not a boring book by any means. Because the humor keeps you engaged throughout. The witty 
just it, it's you. It's you in a book. It really yeah. is. You can tell it's got your soul in it. Um, very much how you can tell any writer that is worth a damn. You can feel their personality and their soul in their book. It's just their writing style. Well, it's funny because you and I spent some time together, but Garrett's never shook my hand. And that's but a very I bet good you, point. I bet you, Garrett, that you probably know me better than some people I grew up with after reading that book. Yeah, I could definitely tell, you know, a lot of your experiences, you know, was what shaped the book. I mean, I do like that you put that personal touch, you know, you you made yourself vulnerable, right? You know, you put things in there that you probably haven't what told anybody, right? Uh, I, I was, can neither confirm nor deny. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, but you, you're <laughs> on the right track there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I did. I did want to say, uh, you know, like uh, back to what Dennis said about, you know, maybe some of the stuff had changed in the order. You know, originally when I was reading it, uh, you know, I guess till about two thirds of the way through, I didn't really like the flashbacks. And I don't know if that's like how Abby wrote um, or anything like that. But, you know, looking back, I, I did like how they showed the, you know, uh, development of the characters in the story. Like, you know, you'd get to a point where something was about to happen and then you'd, you know, go back to either the blackout or, you know, before. So. Mm -hmm. And so I want to touch on something that Garrett said. Okay. So whenever we had our first podcast episode, I told you that I could kind of get the feeling of what is and is not true in a sense, you know, based uh -huh. on at least some sort of real life events. Yeah. Oh, I thought I is that the end of the, that's the end of the yeah. statement? Sorry. I thought uh, there... for the most part. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, so I guess I'll just tell you both and whoever's listening, like like a lot of it did happen. Uh the flashbacks. It's it's dramatized, it's uh, you know, details are different, this and that, but in essence, um it I wrote I wrote this goddamn thing in what I've been kind of halfway calling a fugue state. You know, I was like, I was in an altered state of mind um, for about a month. I couldn't stop. I like it was, like I said, all consuming and it just poured out. So like all the background shit was just, you know, sort of in my mind, every time the character went to sleep, he was dreaming about the life before and and parts of it and processing parts of it still years later right um as as one might and um so i could see how it would be frustrating garrett like kind of as you said um because like the the plot is building and there's you know at, at points there's cliffhangers and then you get thrown backwards in time and i could see how as a reader that would be like almost irritating um but it was necessary man that's the way the book came out so that's the way it reads <laughs> well i guess now i gotta gotta look for uh somebody shooting somebody on a motorcycle now i gotta go to google <laughs> well that one that one i'll say that's about where that's about where the fiction starts <laughs> <laughs> yeah and unfortunately i sold that motorcycle which um you know matt matt 
in the story does not ever sell his motorcycle. So I will never live up to the to the character. <laughs> That's like not. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, that was that was another thing that I really enjoyed was the fact that um I mean it was the character Matt is definitely you. It's just an exaggerated version of you. Mm-hmm. And then obviously I've met the dude that Hayduke is based off of, and it's an exaggerated version of him. Yeah, Hayduke's kind of a um, an amalgamation of multiple folks. I'd say I'd right. say you definitely met one of the main influences. Mm-hmm. Um, another one is somebody that I know that you've connected with on Instagram and, and yep, had I know conversations with. Yep. He's definitely an influence on that character. Um, I feel like that's that's more his like physique that Hayduke is based off of, and you know, some of those uh, personality, you know, quirks. Because I, you know, like I said, yeah, we've talked pretty in depth on Instagram, especially the guy that we're talking about, mm-hmm. and I I feel like that he very much gives off like physique wise Hayduke. He's Tall, a big dude. Broad. Yeah, he's a big motherfucker. He's not yeah. as big as Hayduke is described, but he's he's yeah. He, he could whoop some ass, especially if he starts working out and that's a call out, uh, <laughs> who you are. Yeah. But, you know, we, we, you know, I definitely do want to preserve his anonymity, uh, mm-hmm. almost more than like hardly anybody else's. Cause I, I think him and I are going to do an episode soon. And as you know, he's got a lot to talk about. Um, but yeah, he was definitely part of that character's, uh, sort of backstory. I almost, tapped into that you know gotcha yeah shit um but some favorite <laughs> scenes though uh beginning of the book interacting with uh, uh what was her name suzanne Susie, Susie at the motel yeah. yes suzanne yeah nope that was that was so it was hilarious i don't know what else, how else to say it. it was hilarious man does the whole um I almost wondered if the whole gag reel episode, right, of of him running around naked. Oh shit. yes, like oh, I was laughing my ass off at that. Even okay, after I, was, I reread it, you know. Okay. <laughs> just imagining you just fucking walking out, gun in hand, fucking butt ass naked. Where the fuck is my truck? <laughs> yeah, man. It was fun to write. I don't know where it came from. You know. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> yep. <laughs> except shoot whoever that, is the truck. Except, except that I have been at that fucking intersection and I've been in the parking lot of that motel and um, it just, you know, whatever came out from there. I had the scene. I had the setting. I just Needed made it up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. Any thoughts there, Garrett? What do you have to say? Uh, you know, I did like uh, Hey Duke. Obviously, that was my favorite character. Um, you know, and I liked that you could see that when they two, you know, those two met, that, that you know, they were going to click, you know, after they got off, you know, through all the formalities and everything that, you know, they were, you know, in it. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm curious. um, Part of me almost. Uh, how do I frame this question? Without the the like you're stroking yourself off. 
no, no, no. Okay, no. Well, there's that. There's that. Okay, <laughs> so the whole thing about like Matt, <laughs> Matt Wheeler, Michael Whistler. Like, I'm just basically, I just didn't want to fucking make any bones about it. Like, I'm basing the character after myself, right? Right. Like, I, you know, I, why, why hide it? Well, and um, you had that little quip in there about uh, Matt, not Mike. If you call out Matt or Mike, you'll um, get ten of us to respond or something along those lines. Right, right. Merle, right? That's what you went by. Well, Merle, you know that's the thing too. Okay, so who? Okay, so I've got like questions backing up now. But what do y'all think about the whole like you don't know the name and then you know a fake name and then you know the real name? I think it's interesting because, you know, in that setting where you have shadow governments may or may not be kidnapping people that are causing trouble in their sphere of influence, mm. that anonymity is going to be pretty important, mm -hmm. especially if you're traveling and you don't know anyone there, or if you do know people, you not know everyone and trust everyone. So using a pseudonym would be a good way to show trust but also showing reserved feelings just because it's like you know nobody can really trust anyone during this time hmm. i mean i feel like that would be a, a pretty common theme in a modern and like a real setting like that i'll be honest if you want me to be uh i'll tell you it's like i i wrote that way because i didn't want to give the character a name for a long time. Right. Didn't want to write Mike. You know, it felt it felt dirty to write Mike, so I refused to write Mike. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> like, I can't, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. So, the man. It was the man for about, I don't know, 10 chapters, something like that. Um, I want to say about chapter five is whenever you give Merle. Merle, you, okay, yeah. you might be right. See, that's the funny thing. I, yeah, you you guys might have a better grasp on the details than I do. <laughs> Again, it, <laughs> I wrote was in, in a coma. Of, well, sort of, kind of, man, sort and edited in a coma, like right, which is why there's you know some some little slip ups and shit. But uh, I've been going back through it very slowly. Now that I have a copy in my hand, it was it was very challenging for me to edit on the computer because I was right. getting like eye strain. You know, writing was one thing I could just let it flow out and I didn't have to stare and, and look, you know, with with precision. Um, but editing wore me out, man. So now that I've got a copy, I'm going through with a pen and I the next addition uh, will be much cleaner. But, anywho. Yeah. So some of the other things that I really enjoyed about the book was the use of poetry and poetic elements. I mean, one of the first chapters... Oh, it is the first chapter. It's, I think, the opening paragraph where you... Or not open paragraph, but opening page where you're making the um, podcast episode. The mm. one and only podcast in the episode. Episode in the book, mm -hmm. um, where let me find it real quick. I was gonna say there's kind of one in the last chapter too, the final broadcast, but it's I I basically cut it short. Yeah. You you get them that at the true. tail end. Yeah, I did forget about that. Yeah, 
So there's two. Isn't that funny? How meta are we right now? Right. <laughs> We're talking podcast on a podcast, a podcast about a book that I wrote about a guy who has a podcast. <laughs> so dumb, man. But hey, man, I don't give a fuck. What say about know? Schilderberg? You throw a rock, you'll hit 20 fucking podcasters. Podcasters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Garrett, when are you starting your podcast, man? Uh, never. Never. <laughs> I'm still working on my shitty YouTube channel. Oh, yeah? Oh, it's terrible. It's just kind of, you know, a way for me to, like, I don't know, relieve stress. It's a, it's kind of a hobby, but it's not. You know, I just kind of do it for me. Cool, man. Well, what is it? I want to check it out. Uh, same name as my Instagram. Okay. All right. OG Dad Bod. Sweet. Sweet. Good to know. <sighs> Shit. I'm still looking for that. Um... <clears throat> So, uh, what's the uh, chance the second edition you're actually going to label it as uh, <laughs> uh, nonfiction, right? And it's not going to be fiction anymore. <laughs> I sure hope not. Although, I don't know, secretly, I kind of hope so. Don't, you know, that's the weird thing, right? Like, the weirdest chapter for me to write was the one of fucking john mcafee even though i don't use his name right the the guy on the yacht that hits the yep. execute button and shuts the whole damn world down that was the weirdest fucking chapter for me to write because i had actually i had just watched the documentary i don't know if y'all have watched it yet but the the john mcafee documentary i can't remember what the hell it's called but it's on netflix or somewhere um can either of you help me? Do you remember what that no, shit's I called? No, I don't know what um, documentary you're talking about. Oh, actually. man, it's it's a pretty damn good documentary. Huh. Fuck it. But anyways, I just watched this John McAfee documentary, and I'm in the middle of writing the book, and I had yet to kind of solve the problem of like how the world went dark. I just knew in my head that it was no accident, right? Like either it was an act of God or it was an act of man, but it was not accidental. Okay, and it wasn't like, some bullshit like solar flare. It was not a solar flare. That was basically in my mind. Like that's I'm not going there. That's too easy. That's too easy of an explanation, right? So I I watched this John McAfee documentary, and the whole thing is that like it kind of ends. And you almost halfway think he's still alive and he's still out there, even though like all the evidence kind of points to the contrary, right? Like he got, mm -hmm. he got Epstein before, before Epstein got Epstein, right? Oh, no, supposedly it was only a couple of years. It was only last year. Oh, you're right. It was, it was, it was more recent, but he had that tattoo that said hashtag swack, schwacked, schwacked, right. Is this and running so with I, the Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Is it running with the devil? Is that the, is it fairly new? The documentary? Yes. yes. Running with the devil, running with the devil. Fantastic movie. Um, but it, it gave me inspiration because I almost halfway, um, identified with McAfee only because of his, like, I, it was almost like I was jealous of him for his reckless abandon and his, his, um, Un unfuckwittable nature of just like even though he's fucking batshit crazy, crazy <laughs> in some ways right but I'm like man this guy like 
I just, I, part of me connect, part of my personality connected with his personality, which is maybe a scary thought, but I, all of a sudden I, after watching this documentary all about him, I kind of formulated this character, you know, based very much off of him, um, who says, fuck it says like the, the human race will be better off if I pull the plug on everyone and make them sort it out on their own fucking consequences be damned. You know, it was kind of like, that's, that was me almost playing out like a sick, you know, fantasy of mine. Like, cause I almost, right. you know, Garrett, your question was like, how, how realistic is this? Right. How, how possible is this? Well, the the thought scares me, but at the same time, I almost feel like it's exactly what we fucking need. Well, not know? only that, but it's it's also very possible. I mean, you, all you have to have is an engineer that's disgruntled and will make a backdoor into every processor besides, you know, one made before this date, and then a fucking mm-hmm. kill switch. I'm sure a tech guy could, like, tear apart what I wrote and say this is nonsense. <laughs> But I didn't write this shit for the tech, you know, super, super high-end fucking programmer, like, Mm -hmm. hacker type. You know, this is is meant for anybody, you know, that wants to read a fun book. (laughs) You know, like, I didn't take it terribly seriously. Um, But obviously there's some serious shit that came out anyhow. So... You know, and you, it doesn't even have to be a hacker. I mean, you know, you look at, uh, you know, all the stuff that's been outsourced to China, you know, over the years and that, you know, the, the CCP says, well, you know, if you're going to do business here, we also have to have control over the technology. So, I mean, it's really not that far fetched. I mean, you know, you look at all the, uh, you know, little uh, headlines that have, you know, I guess last two years, you know, about hacks and, you know, stuff. Uh, with banks and all that. I mean, it's really not that far-fetched to think that, uh, you know, the lights could go out. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of the, you know, the stuff that uh, we have, like with our, you know, power plants and, you know, generation, you know, or transmission, I mean, a lot of it's, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old. I mean, you know, it, it wouldn't be just completely, you know, out of the ballpark that, you know, there could be a cyber attack or something like that. Yeah, the power grid is a very weak system whenever it comes to, I mean, even like physical attacks, you got to think, I mean, you can, you can drop a bomb or plant a bomb, cut wires. There's so many different ways that you could attack a power grid system. It doesn't even have to be a cyber one. And, and granted, it wouldn't destroy the whole world's power grid, but it at least could be lo- like local power grid failure. <clears throat> and if you, I mean, you just got to take out the substation, you know? Yeah, I mean... Break down the Hoover Dam and you've attacked the power grid and flooded God knows how many houses. Well, I'm not sure there's that much water there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's you very point fair. There. And also, y'all are about to put us on an FBI fucking watch list with this talk. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. They know that the power grid's weak. Oh, God. Well, so, you know, Garrett, you asked earlier about, I don't know if this is how Abby wrote or whatever, um, he didn't necessarily do all the flashbacks and stuff. That was the context of your question, but his big breakout novel was about a group of people who wanted to destroy the Glen Canyon dam, which holds back Lake Mead. 
and uh, or I'm sorry, Lake Powell. Lake Mead is uh, is the Hoover Dam. Lake right. Powell, and basically, Abby had had spent a lot of time in the Glen Canyon before it was dammed, and he was furious that they they created this monstrosity of a lake in his opinion where there was once the most beautiful place on earth, you know, in his mind. And, um, so the radical nature of like, tear it all down, like that comes through. He's my favorite author, but, um, you know, Dennis, you've read some of his shit, haven't you? So I've only read the monkey wrench gang, which is the book that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And, it's also where Hey Duke comes from because Hey Duke is a character in the Monkey Rich Gang by, you know, Abby. Right. And that is, I mean, it was it was considering the the topic of the novel. Novel not only is it kind of a nod to him because it's probably at some point what he would have wanted, whether it was you know a complete blackout or at least getting Glen Canyon back, which obviously doesn't happen in the novel. But, and it's just the, the way that you write as well is just very reminiscent of Abby because, you know, you've read a lot of his books. He's probably picked it up and you know, just how you tell your stories in person anyway. So. I recommend you, you both read all of his shit. Um, if you enjoy reading, read Abby. Uh, and if you're into all the shit that we're into. Oh, yeah. But. Yeah, man. Um, almost it's all it's almost like I'm uh self conscious about the use of the name Hey Duke, which is ironic given the fact that I put it in the goddamn title. Right. Um, you know what's funny? Again, you know, fugue state, fucking altered state of consciousness, pouring it out. The last step was basically getting the cover design. And I'm sitting at the bar with my friend Hunter, who has been on the show and he's a graphic designer and he's helping me work up this fucking cover. And he's like, what's the title? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh God. like shit, well, we man. We talked about the title whenever I had wrote, we had I talked had about read, it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that little snippet that I did get. Right. And one of the things that did bring that came up quite often in the book was one of the working titles that we had talked about everything all at once. Right? Yes. I think right. it came up, uh, six or seven times that I remember maybe a dozen times there. I actually yeah. cut it. I, I cut it out a couple times cause I'm like too much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> Two on the nose. Yeah. So yeah. That was one of the things that I did want to talk about, and because in, in the last chapter, there's it's used twice just in the last chapter, mm-hmm. and oh wait, no, it wasn't the last chapter. Sorry, it was uh, page two forty-seven. It was used, and it's whenever you're you're thinking, whenever um, Matt is thinking and he's driving back, or no, he's not driving. No, I think he's escaping in the canyon. Uh, two forty-seven. Yeah. Damn, y'all put me to shame right now. I wish I had a copy of the book. <laughs> okay, that's all right. I'm just I'm at my house. I had it right here with me. All right, so and, let me. Okay, let me just look at this for a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! It was oh, remember yeah. she said, "Yeah." Uh, okay, this is spoilers, big time. 
Yeah. <laughs> it is spoilers big time, but it's whenever she is talking about being pregnant and how she yeah, just huh. knows that she's pregnant. I'll just read the paragraph. So it says, Hey Duke thinks he hears Matt scream, Pregnant! <laughs> but assumes he must have misheard, as that would be completely insane. When Matt regains his composure, he pulls back onto the highway and continues the two miles down to the Fruita Orchards, pulling into a service road that leads to the Jackson Orchard, the best apples in <clears throat> in the park by his recollection. He is still beaming from ear to ear and had a few tears in his eyes, simultaneously in belief and disbelief, while understanding that everything is happening all at once. I don't know. That's just one of them. But yeah, that that line just kept coming out. And um, and frankly, if there weren't like two dozen other books titled everything all at once, I might have called uh, it that. Yeah. But there's literally like uh, there's just like too many of them. It's yeah. Fuck that. That's I didn't realize there's that many books that were titled that. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought about it, though, because it's not a bad title, but at the same time that doesn't make me think adventure, you know? Right. Well, and I, I, I don't know. I mean, to... you got to think it, everything is happening all at once. So mm. what doesn't scream adventure besides everything happening all at once? Yeah, but it feels very psychological or uh, philosophical. Not that this book isn't, but that's not the impression I want you to get when you get the copy, right? Yeah. You hold I mean, it it, it's, your hand. it's a psychological book, but it's also a fun book. You know, it's, it, I don't, think people need to take it too seriously i obviously not yeah but it's also one of those things where like in theory this is a possible future Mm. what do you think about okay so this is one of the questions that kind of backed up on me here mm -hmm. but um what do you think about the spiritual um halfway quasi religious component I mean, it, it was pretty subtle, but I'm not a I'm not a very religious person, so uh -huh. that part didn't speak to me a whole lot. Um, I don't know about you, you Garrett. Yeah, might have missed it. Uh, yeah, I did. Re I did read this in a, like two days. So, hey, uh, that's cool. That's cool. I'm talking about basically Hey Duke's um, claim of divine. Oh, okay. Yeah, influence. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I kind of thought that might have been a little schizo, but. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of me wants you to think that, you know. Like, I mean, is, who is says that it is isn't, that Hey Duke isn't just a paranoid schizophrenic going around murdering people that he That's, just happens to not like? You have no proof otherwise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, again, it it's not a that's the point though. It's not a super serious book, but it does, I mean, <laughs> who says that God doesn't show a ex-marine to kill, to kill, you know, to yeah, kill. to right. kill moles and stuff. Or, well, and, almost... and it also, and it may not even, it could be just kind of going back to a base um, human because, you know, just get that internal instinct of this person's fucked up. They, they rat people out. So what I, I was halfway inspired by, um, I always loved Boondock Saints, right? I, I bet you've both seen that movie. Yeah. So <clears throat> same premise, right? They are divinely inspired to kill bad guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um so okay, it's like this this part of the sort of ex 
Right. Okay. So I'm trying to fill holes as I'm writing the story. Like I'm trying to fill holes. That's, that's what I did with the John McAfee character. Like how did the blackout occur? Right. And what's, and what's, you know, in my mind, the funniest or most outrageous or most entertaining explanation for how this could have occurred. Right. So where does, where does, where does Hadoop come from? Hadoop comes out of the fucking desert, out of the mirage as this fucking Goliath of a, you know, figure with a divine claim of, uh, you know, righteous, you know, a license to kill from God, right? It could not get more outrageous. I always liked that about the Boondock Saints, that it's so outrageous. So that was kind of where that came from. And I hope nobody takes it seriously. That's, you know, like. (laughs) Right. And I mean, you could almost say that he's like, you know, an archangel put onto the earth to to right wrongs like Michael or, you know, someone like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, like you said, it's not it's not a serious thing. It's open for interpretation of whether he's just a schizophrenic you know, Freako going around murdering people. If he's driven by God or if he's an archangel himself, you know, who, who, who mm-hmm. knows? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing's for sure though. He knows how to fucking kill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he does. Prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Now that and, you bring up the religious uh, component, I mean, I guess it does show the, you know, the, the polar opposite of, you know, is God or government more important? You know, which master do you choose to serve? Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, as an anarchist, that Christianity and anarchism are a perfectly viable, coherent, co- um, like just they Compatible. mesh very well. Yeah, they, they mesh very well together just because yeah. in, you know, Christianity, it, it God is the one true master, you know, the only there is no authority. other master besides God. Only, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of anarcho Christians. There are. There is, and I I respect them a lot because they're a very consistent people, and there are people that know what they stand for, mm. which is extremely extremely important in a liberty sense. Like, you may not have to agree with whatever someone else is saying, but you still have to be able to respect their ability to be able to express that opinion. Mm-hmm. There's no room for censorship anywhere just because you don't agree with that opinion. And you touched on that. I, you know, it was almost the whole point. It was almost the whole point of all of these little, um, yeah. Okay. Fuck it. I'm going to name the character a very close, uh, you know, within a, within a stone's throw of my own name. Fuck it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to use the word nigger. Oh, you know, it's like, I'm not doing it to be intentionally outrageous, but as it came out, as it came out, as the story came out, it's like, I want to be, I want to make some points here that, that are easier to make in story than they are in debate. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah. I just dropped a big one on y'all, but what'd you think of that moment? Right. Well, and that was one of the things that I had written down because it was a very poignant point. Because you got to think, like, that is a very common issue with people, uh, you know, 
is racism and the fact that there is slurs for every race. I mean, and you used most of them, but it it was it <laughs> I wasn't think I only used like three or four. Yeah, in in the context though, it was it was saying you know that the words are meaningless. The only thing that gives them meaning is the censorship and the taboo behind it. Mm-hmm. It's not words that I would use personally. However, it's just. You know, people are people, and they're going to hate whoever they're going to hate. Yeah. So I posted just like two nights ago about how some guy wanted to fight me. I think you both might have seen yes, that. Yes, I saw that. Um, it was because of that specific thing. So backstory. <laughs> I was writing at the bar. As I so I I wrote a lot of it at my shop and I wrote a lot of it at the bar and I had just finished writing the chapter about sitting with my neighbor and and that's all more or less true. Like I'm kind of quoting him more than I'm making that up. Right. Um, But long story short, I was I, I, I was outside smoking a cigarette. I had just finished writing that chapter. And I got chatting with somebody who I didn't know, but we got chatting and it was, it was two guys, white guy and a black guy. And I don't know how it came up, but, um, the issue of Mark Twain, you know, I think I, they, they're like, so what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm writing a book or whatever. Right. And, and, mm-hmm. uh, they're like, what's it about? Blah, blah, blah. Long story short. I, I had probably just seen something about how like people want to cancel Mark Twain because of the use of the N-word, right? And, you know, if you ever read fucking Adventures of Huckleberry Finn, you know, and Tom Sawyer, that word is in those books. And I, you know, again, I can't remember how this all got brought up, brought up but I was basically saying, like, well, you know, that, that word's in my book, too. Like, I just fucking wrote it, like, an hour ago. Because the story demanded it. And... And you know what's funny is like the black dude, you know, it was an ongoing conversation, but the black dude kind of heard me and knew what I was trying to get across. The white guy was being totally like uh, just just like basically fuck you. Right. And I had forgotten all about this. This was a month ago and I was I was in a fugue state. Right. I had forgotten about this conversation entirely. And Two nights ago, I'm at the bar and this guy hollers over at me. He says, how's the book coming? I looked over. I didn't even recognize him. I said, oh, it's done. He said, oh, yeah. He said, how, how can I get it? So I walk over. I'm like, I'll send you the link, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It starts out friendly. And then he switches it. He's like, is the word in there still or whatever? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, it all came <laughs> back to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, you. it's you. <laughs> And, um, and he, he like went ballistic, man. He, he literally, he's like, he's like, let's go, let's go right fucking now. Come to the alley. He went outside. He, he was waiting for me in the alley. And I was just like, no, <laughs> you know? no, I'm, I'm go right. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable. Beer. I'm right. Like, like my dinner's coming out, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, you, were, you were actually looking around for that motorcycle helmet. Oh man, exactly. Ooh, that was a good one, wasn't it? That was. Boom. 
I liked I liked right I liked writing all the fight scenes. Um, even though I've never never actually been in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, those that have never been in a fight, they make the best fight fight scenes because it's so unrealistic, and we're all like, "Woo, yeah, that's how fights go." <laughs> I don't know. I thought uh, I thought I kept things halfway believable, at least. I hope. Oh, I I, I believe you did. I mean, it wasn't anything outrageous. <laughs> yeah. But that, you know, cracking that that dude with the motorcycle helmet, that's what I would do if I had to. Like, oh, if yeah. I'm, if I'm out outmatched, uh, yeah, I'll crack a dude over the head when his back's turned if he's trying to fucking start shit and I'll just walk away. Like, that's what a smart person does, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, a, a fair fight isn't a fight. Well, there's just no no such thing outside of a bar. Yeah. Right, that as well. There's no There's such no thing fair, as a fair fight. fight. Yeah. yeah, right. Well, that's it. I didn't want to fight that dude because, frankly, I you know, I don't know how to fight, and this is something I want to remedy. I need to start taking. I've been saying it for over a year. I need to start taking jujitsu, but it's like I I carry my gun, and if you know, I just don't want to be put in that position of either getting the shit kicked out of me or pulling my gun like at what point is he trying to kill me I, you know like that's not a game I want to play so instead of following him to the alley I sat there comfortably confidently and uh waited for my hot ham and swiss with the fucking cup of tomato soup to come out <laughs> you know and everybody was so confused that was the funny thing at the bar this guy was like yelling at me and i was basically ignoring him and he was more or less incoherent and um he was drunk and uh apparently it was his birthday and he was there with his girlfriend and i feel really bad for her cuz she's a real sweet girl and he's an asshole, but he, he's yelling at me and, uh, everybody's like, what is this guy yelling about? <laughs> and finally, finally, I'm like, he's yelling at me. <laughs> I just told everybody, I'm like, yeah, there's history, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. So is this guy like ultra woke? I mean, I just, I don't. Yeah. It's, it's that, it's that ultra woke shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a word that doesn't affect you. I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. And I'm like, you haven't read how I used it. Like, read it, you know? If, you know, like, before you get offended, like, read what I wrote, you know? Like, you can't assume anything. Let's be honest. Who hasn't heard that same conversation over the years? I mean, I think everybody has, you know, no matter where you live. So I was going to say, um, it's like the only other place that I brought up, uh, like anything religious, I'm switching gears here. Cause I don't want to talk about the N word much more. <laughs> you know, it's like I made my statement there, right? Some people, some people are not going to like the book because of that passage alone. Right. And we can just maybe leave it at that and well, fuck them. If they can't read between the lines, they don't know what I'm talking about. Right. Um, but switching back to the religious thing, I really enjoyed, I think maybe my favorite chapter to write because it was one of the more complicated 
plot lines to try to put a put a complete you know to to bring full circle was the the prospector in the mountains with his Indian bride. Y'all y'all following me? Uh, I am. I think Dennis dropped. Uh oh, we lost him. Okay, well we'll keep going. Um, hang on, let's see if he's. My internet dropped. I'll send him another invite here. Uh, well, I don't know if I can actually. It's gonna say, do you want to back out and start over? No, we'll keep going for now. Uh, he'll he'll find his way back. It's it's on his end, but I think he can follow he can follow the link back. Anyways, um, the whole thing with the Indian bride and and their um, that whole chapter of like. I was kind of pulling from a lot of different places for that. Um, True history, like stories that I've heard uh, blended with a whole lot of what I'm kind of, you know, blanks I'm filling in. But writing about them having a funeral for uh, for their deceased child and how it was a mix of Indian tradition and Christian tradition that some might call blasphemous, but for them just made sense. Hey, there he is, Dennis. So, so what I'm, what I'm talking about here, I said the, the only other like religious moment or component of the book was that, that chapter. And I I was saying it's my favorite. I think it was my favorite chapter to write about the prospector and his Indian bride. And when they had a funeral for their, deceased infant child. Do you remember this and how it was like a blend of it was, this is probably one paragraph, but it was, it was one of my favorite things that I put into the book. Um, and this is where the gold comes from, right? You know, connecting all these pieces was a lot of fun for me, but writing about them having sort of a what was it? A, was it a funeral or was it a wedding? Um, I'm almost having a hard time remembering, it but it was, but it was a, a mix of Christian, Christian tradition with like Indian ritual. And I said, some might find it blasphemous, you know, some might find it blasphemous, but some or but for them, it just made sense or something along those lines. Right. I think it was, I want to say funeral. Yeah. It wasn't the son they had that died. Shit. Isn't that funny? I wrote it and I can't remember. I, you know, it's like, I need to re, re- I, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a third of the way into my, my second, my thorough edit. Um, yeah. Page 95. I, I got a lot more to read, but it is funny to reread. And it, like, I for you know, I forget what I wrote even just a month and a half ago. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it's probably because I was drunk. <laughs> That's I hate to admit it, but it's true. <laughs> well, elevated is one word. Let's say altered. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Less inhibition um, for sure. Yeah, now, was, you know, go ahead, Garrett. Sorry. I was always told the uh, best papers come a six pack in. 
So a six pack in, yeah. Well, I did. I'll, I'll be. I'll be perfectly honest. So I was. I mean, you could call it a bender, right? Um, but basically, as soon as I started writing, I knew I I had to finish it. <laughs> it was kind of like the story was unfolding almost faster than I could capture it in my own mind. If you know what I mean? Like I had to get it out or it would be gone forever. And, um, and it was a steady supply of weed and beer and, and an occasional, I, you know, over the course of like the month, uh, I had like two or three nights where I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Fellas, like bottle of whiskey was in the mix too. Right. And I would get, I would get obliterated. Um, <sighs> but it came. I, well, that was the thing. It was like, it's, it's, it, bleh, it's coming out. Like, and I think I like it. And like, I, you know, I don't condone um, alcoholism, anybody listening, but <laughs> damn, you know, <laughs> It's useful um, for 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 periods. Channeling your inner Hemingway. Well, it is. I mean, it's tapping into human emotion, and that's really a big part of what I was trying to do. Is like this is about the human condition uh, more than basically anything else. Shit, man, um, Dennis, I got a little thing saying that you're not being recorded. Um, I tell you what, let me just, for my own, we're at an hour, so let's hit the pause. If anybody needs to use the restroom, I'm going to end the call. I'll send you a new invite, but I just want to kind of download what we've got here. So, all right, uh, we'll be back. Cool. Started. All right. Minor technical freak out. <laughs> <laughs> yep hopefully everything's all right well i'll say you know um since we just had to hit the pause i know garrett you're at work are you still cool to keep talking yeah yeah i'm good all right cool uh dennis i assume you have no pressing issues nope all right i'm happy to keep going yeah. um any other any just any thoughts man I, I i don't have a question on on the top of my head but i'm curious dennis you took took down some notes uh or garrett if you have anything at the top of your head whatever uh i've got something here if uh garrett you don't have anything that you want to talk about i've got stuff but i'll, I'll let you go I, i'm trying to find a way to you know get into the conversation instead of just interrupting <laughs> All right, yeah no you're good you're good I just fucking interrupt, man. I don't want to <laughs> feel like I'm the only one talking besides Mike, so I want to give you a chance. Uh, I guess I guess I'll go ahead and uh, knock out one of the things I have down here. I like how you uh, you know you show the importance of networking. You know, uh, mm. it's, it's not you know what you know, but it's who you know. You know, um, you know. Uh, I, I did want to ask though, and I may have missed it in the book when he takes out his uh, little generating device. Did, did I overlook something? Did he leave that in the creek or did he pick that up? You know, that's funny. Um, that was a thought I had 
after after like submitting the final that was like you just found the one fucking hole in my whole goddamn story he needed to go back for his generator yeah 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 oops (laughs) i was like did i miss something like they were in town and then they weren't did he ever go back to the bridge you know what the whole kind of thing is that um you can you can kind of presume it this is how i rationalized it to myself so for anybody that hasn't read it, long story short, main character puts a little um, little charging unit out at, at, you know, early on in the story, and you never hear about him going back to pick it up. You know, he's charging his batteries, right? Everything's fucking off grid, basically. Uh, sort of, sort of not. Whatever. But um <laughs> long story. You can you can almost just assume this is what I told myself. Um story in <laughs> The story in Tori ends, right? Tori is the town. Um, and you don't hear anything about the road home, right? All of a sudden, you know, Matt and Jesse are back in Indiana. Well, yeah, and it does flash forward several months. It flashes forward basically a year. Um, and so the presumption would be that Based on the geography, which I know because I lived there, um, and if you look at the map, they would have passed the same route back to go home. Um, well, and also the suspension of disbelief that he would know, hey, after this X amount of time, I should probably go back and get it. Well, it's really, in reality, it's only been about three or four days or something. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny, the timeline, I had to, I had to kind of like adjust as i went along um so i don't really remember exactly how many days the main fucking drama unfolds but i think it's only like two or three or four days i want to say it's three days yeah yeah so presumably he would not have forgotten about his precious batteries and he'd pick them back up but it is funny you bring it up because i i do remember thinking to myself should i have mentioned him picking those back up but it almost feels at this point like an unnecessary detail, right? Like right. at the point where he deploys it, I'm kind of painting a picture of the world that people are living in. Um, and, and the, at the end of the necessary to get that that yeah. connection up. Right. At the end, it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, so what? He picked up his batteries. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I wanted to know that scene. How did he collect it? It is funny. It's funny you bring that up, though, Garrett, because I totally thought about that. I totally thought about that as like one of the few things that didn't quite get wrapped up. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the batteries, they're good for the fish, so <laughs> could have just left them. Yeah, right. Got some eels in the river now. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because I just... Um, before we got on, I was actually I was reading the chapter about the uh, the garden, right? Right. Where he where he's walking through the garden, and as I'm reading it, I'm kind of like, damn, like I got kind of fucking preachy or uh, teachy or something with this. Shit. No, I, it was a very good scene. I enjoyed it because it was it was very detailed, and you can you could see you know you have a plan planned out for you know in like a, a theoretical garden in the area mm-hmm. and, and an achievable one at that because you explain for those of us like me that aren't as well versed in horticulture and and permaculture i hope to get further into that um 
the area of expertise, but uh, it's not something I currently know a whole lot about. So it was very interesting to kind of you explain how everything interacts and, you know, getting the good bugs in there and, you know, it helps uh, keep out some of the bad, the, some of the worst bugs, that kind of thing. It, it almost crosses into like manual uh, territory for a second there. <laughs> like... I think it was needed, though. Because it's 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 spouting that little bit of knowledge, you know. It may not be you know everything that you need, but it's like, don't just spray pesticides constantly. Like, uh-huh. there's a reason that nature is nature. It it balances itself out. Well, and it actually it kind of makes me think about like I didn't paint a very um, clear picture of what life is like in the quote unquote occupied zones. I hint at it here and there, mm-hmm. um, but I almost think the next story should come from that that side. Could be like you know, Hey Duke trying to like infiltrate in. Uh, I don't know if Hey Duke's ever coming back, man. Oh damn! He's got to come back to Indianapolis. It could be from you know. It could be, you know, so like. A could be. It could be the. It could be the. It could be Matt. baby baby Hey Duke. Sorry, I don't yeah. mean to cut you off there, Dennis, but it could be baby Hey Duke. <laughs> it could be so many things, dude. I mean, you got to think it could be an informant for Matt. You know, trying to get him information without getting caught. Mm. It'd be more mm. of like a, like a like almost a spy thriller. Well, it would be funny to get your opinion actually, since you've read um, Monkey Wrench Gang. Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to get your opinion after reading Hey Duke Lives. Okay. Because okay. because uh, Abby did revive Hey Duke one time, and right. again again I'm like halfway self conscious. I'm like, am I am I committing a act of I don't know? Almost is it plagiarism. Sin- well, I I don't want to use that word, but um, actually I talked to a lawyer lawyer friend of mine about uh-huh. whether or not I had any issues with copyright. And um, and I don't believe I do. It's all good. No, you can write fan fiction all day, and we'll just call it. We'll just call it that, right? It's just fan it's not fiction. even a fan fiction. I mean, you use. I know it's yeah. It's it's not, but I can use that defense, right? Like right, whatever. And um, but at the same time, it's like you can't revive Hey Duke forever. I think you should read Hey Duke Lives and tell me what you think. Right. Um, well, yeah. and it doesn't even it. have to be a I've character. I've got it right here. Connected. Look at that. Nice. <laughs> I like yeah. it. With the freaking bomb right on the front. <laughs> the Classic. TNT fucking dynamite, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. There's there's so many different possibilities. Like, it, it doesn't even have to be connected with any of the characters. I mean, it, just being in that store, in that world would be extremely interesting because you got to think, this is just one life out of millions of people Yeah. in this yeah. world. That is such an interesting thing. Like, And I think that's where a lot of people, whenever they write worlds, is they limit themselves to being in that set of characters because that's the beloved set of characters. Mm-hmm. If you're a good writer, you can make a world and it doesn't have to be those people yeah like i, I mean, said i'd at, like to i'd like to explore some characters on the other side of the fence so right. to speak right oh and i don't know if y'all are nerds or not but i'm a pretty big nerd i like D D. 
Mm-hmm. That's where I've done a lot of my writing. And a lot of the great, you know, people in D&D and Dungeon Master world are not afraid to use the whole world and it could be several different stories in that world and they all interconnect and but absolutely have no common characters really you know it could Mm -hmm. be a couple hundred years apart and it still be that same world and things have changed you know there's just infinite possibilities whenever you have a detailed well thought out world or one that is yet to be detailed and thought out but has a good basis yeah yeah you know it's almost like i could see having like references to hey duke as like sort of a myth in 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 future um stories right like but not necessarily having him be a character right like a robin hood yeah like like i don't know like i said oh, i, I don't want that politician that died yesterday that was hey duke yeah, yeah, you never know. Like and he's the um you know, it's like the v, the v for vendetta thing. It's like yep. um an Guy idea, Fox. an idea cannot be killed, you know? That's that is a big part of what Hayduke represents to me is um the character in my book is not claiming to be the original Hayduke. He's chosen that name because of the idea of Hayduke. And if you've read, you know, either, well, I guess if you've read Monkey Wrench Gang and and Hey Duke Lives, you know sort of what, what the idea of Hey Duke is supposed to be, um, which is why I like, I debated it, but I really didn't feel bad when it was all said and done about using the name. I thought about, you know, it would have been that easy to, you know, Basically, every Hayduke in, in my manuscript could have been switched to Fred if I wanted, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, and but when I so wrote many... it, Hayduke made sense, and I didn't want to, you know, that was that was what was true to me. That character had to be yeah. called Hayduke. I mean, you have great novels out there that are based off of other novels. Like, I'm pretty sure Harry Potter was a fanfic for something. I don't remember what. Huh. But, you know, there's great novels and, and just series of books out there that are based on something. Like, it, you have to get an idea from something, whether it's something you've read, experienced. Mm-hmm. I- ideas are constantly flowing throughout the world. And just because you take ideas from something, as long as you don't rewrite it and make it your own, it's like I don't see the problem in it because it is your story. And I, I, as you said, Hey Duke is an idea. It's well, not and, a person. And, and you I get said that, that idea in the book because I'm pretty sure you even have Hey Duke saying that you know, like it's just I'm I'm no one. I'm. He just, says something to the effect of "It's the name I've chosen, and I'm gonna stick to it." That's what it is. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. She, she, you know, she asks, "Is that even your name?" He says, "It's the one I picked." Yeah. 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 Um, shit. I, I tell you what, I hate to do this cause we just already had like a break or whatever, but I got to take a leak and, uh, and get another beer. So do y'all mind? Go right on ahead. <laughs> okay. I'll edit the dead air. Uh, unless, you know, whatever. We'll see if you guys talk, but I'll be right back. <laughs> Give me like uh, a minute and a half.
So, Gary, I have a question for you. All right. You have? Do you remember the um, the paragraph about manhood? It was one of my uh, favorites. Yes, I, I, I do. Vaguely, yes. but I do remember. So, I think he wrote it out really well, and I wanted to talk about this whenever he's not here. That way I could get his, you know, thoughts whenever he gets back. But I um, wanted to talk to you about it. What was your thinking on it? Because, um, you know, the paragraph is, to be hardworking was to be trying to improve. To improve would be better than others, and to be better than others was a crime worse than almost any other to be the best at something was to be kid murdered or kidnapped and i feel that it, it just kind of eloquently sums up what the attack on masculinity is nowadays uh yeah i mean i i didn't uh yeah i, I didn't really look that far you know into it um i mean I, that's definitely left me with something to think about um yeah i, I think he he put something up on maybe Instagram, right? Where he was asking about what manhood was. And there were, there were a few of us that responded, right? Does that, yes. does that ring a bell? Yeah. yeah. I mean, um, and I think that's what really rang with me is because he had already brought it up in, you know, something that we got to interact with. And then he brings it up in the book itself. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think the, you know, the line that what you, what you said, I mean, it's not about being the best, right? I mean, just kind of like the, the polymath or being a, you know, a jack of all trades, right? You know, you're a, you're kind of good at everything and, um, you know, master of none. And I'm probably totally missing what you're, what you're putting down, but that's kind of how I have taken, uh, that. Yeah, no. And that's another good point is, you know, you don't have to be the best at something. You can be good at most things and then you have other people gets back into that networking thing where your network is the meme your net worth you know the people that you know are the gaps that you can't know some people just are good at math some people are good at english and you know they're good at engineering and breaking down a problem making a solution and then you have the people that are just good at leading and being a moral guide um, a spiritual guide for some people um, that's, that's actually a very good point too. I didn't even think about it like that. So what we're talking about, Mike, is the, the paragraph. Say I love where this conversation 20. went. Sorry. <laughs> Go on. You're good. And chapter 20 about, um, manhood. Uh. To be hardworking was to be trying to improve. To, to improve would to be better than others. And to be better than others was a crime worse than almost any other. To be the best at something was to be murdered or kidnapped. Mm. Yeah, that was a good line, I think. It was one of my favorite lines because not only did, is it the point that Garrett brought up, but you know, in this world today, you know, if you're not equal to everyone else, if you know, white people are equal to black people and black people aren't equal to Mexicans and everything else in between, then that's just evil. You know, everyone has to be equal. Nobody can be better at something else. You know, you got to have down syndrome, uh, lingerie models. You got to have, you know, fat people and lingerie magazines, Mm-hmm. Who gives a fuck? Everyone is their own person. Everyone is individual. No matter how homogenized you want things to be, everyone is themselves. They are made up by their own individual experiences. Yeah, so a big inspiration for that whole idea. I'm going to pull it up real quick, but um, fucking Kurt Vonnegut, okay? 
he wrote a short story called Harrison Bergeron. And the opening line of this short story is unreal. Okay, let me just pull it up. Um, because that whole idea, it's about the idea of equality. Okay. <clears throat> equality at any cost. Okay, here it is. Harrison Bergeron by Kurt Vonnegut Jr., who, by the way, is from Indianapolis, Indiana, hometown hero. So, <laughs> the year was 2081, and everybody was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal in every which way. Nobody was smarter than anybody else. Nobody was better looking than anybody else. Nobody was stronger or quicker than anybody else. All this equality was due to the 211th, 212th, and 213th Amendments to the Constitution and to the unceasing vigilance of agents of the United States Handicapper General. That's the first paragraph. I, I know I said the first line, but this is like a four-page story that will melt your goddamn brain. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Put that in the show notes or something because sure. I want to read the rest of that. Send it to me after this as well because that paragraph was – I mean, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. I didn't get it across nearly as well as he did. But you got to think like that is what people are trying to achieve these days is to make everyone absolutely equal. You're having men, you know, with uh, the women's sports teams. I'm sure some sort of trans men are trying to get into the men's sports teams. But it just shows that not er no one is equal. The only thing that is equal in life is death. Mm -hmm. That is the one guarantee we have in life is death yeah i think it's people are saying they want equality but actually they're they're wanting to force equity on on us right right you know um because we i mean we all are equal right i mean we're all you know we get a start date and an end date and you know what we choose to do between then is you know what determines a lot of our outcome right well vonnegut yes. vonnegut says it and he makes a point to say it uh they weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal in every which way. And he goes on to explain how through legislation. Okay. Um, the premise being that, yeah, we are equal before God and the law. That's natural. That is true. That is honest. You know, life and death, you know, fairness, right? What we're talking about is is fairness. Equality gets confusing because he's got more than I've got, right? How's that equal? Well, maybe it ain't. Maybe it's fair, though. And even if it ain't fair, too bad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, I mean, nothing uh, in life is fair. And right, people but, just do not understand that these days, man. Yeah, yeah. You have I, uh, equal opportunity to do something as much as anyone else. If you work towards it, you may not be able to do it as well, but you have the equal opportunity to do it. 
within limitations. I mean, it's real life. Things get in the way. But bringing down others doesn't do anything to help yourself besides limit others from their capability. Well, this is what uh, Jordan Peterson talks about is um, equality of opportunity is not equality of outcome. You know, we cannot feasibly create equality of outcome without some seriously fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. And and that, that story by Kurt Vonnegut, you know, it goes to the extreme of saying that they they force this equality by, you know, if you're intelligent, you have to wear headphones that that create distracting noises to disrupt your your focus. And if you're an elegant dancer, you have to be, you know, you have to be covered with robes and weighed weighed down so that you know you can't do the dances better than anybody else and if you're if you're the strongest and you know it's like Harrison Bergeron is portrayed as sort of a Hayduke-esque character this almost like Goliath of a man who who carries more chains and weights than any other person alive because no matter what they do, he continues to excel. He continues to be better than others, no matter how they try to handicap him. It's a fascinating story. Um, and there's actually a really cool, like, uh, you know, made for TV movie with Sean Astin, otherwise known as uh, Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings, you know, that actor. He plays Harrison Bergeron, and it's a very adapted version of the Vonnegut story, but it's worth a watch. Um, it's on YouTube, last I checked. But yeah, that that story, actually Jack Spierko turned me on to that shit. He, he talks about Harrison Bergeron every now and again. Yeah, no, and it's a very important thing for people to understand because, you know... I don't know what else. I mean, it's just, there's nothing else to say, really. I mean, just people need to understand that, like you said, or I guess Jordan Peterson said, is you cannot physically get equal outcome. It's just impossible. You can try, but you'll ruin everything in the process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's it. That I'm I'm kind of grateful uh, for you bringing that lineup. That was one of your notes, huh? Yep. Yeah, that was that that one. There were there were moments, man. I won't lie, where like after you know, it was like the writing intensity would build and build. You could probably feel it reading it, and then a line like that would come out, or like a chapter would finish, and I would I would like jump out of my chair and put my hands up and just be like, holy shit. Like, whoa, (laughs) you know, like, right. Almost like a high. It it was very much a, um, it was a high, it was a roller coaster. That's why I'm not trying to beat around the bush about the fact that I was definitely drunk for a lot of it. And like, it was, it was a weird kind of state of mind. Um, So something I had touched on, I guess, right as you were coming back in was, you know, the polymath, the jack of all trades. I liked Mm -hmm. how that there was that focus on having actual skills and, you know, 
maybe you would say ability, you know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't think I read about anybody who was like sitting behind a desk after it all went down. You know, you had to learn all, you had to adapt. It's because all those motherfuckers died. Yep. And I didn't have to say that, but that's the insinuation. Anybody that was still alive was either alive because they had abilities and skills or because they were a part of a resilient community which is kind of like a hidden um, theme in that like Wayne County is relatively unchanged in this world after the blackout. Right. And this is a place, this is a place that I lived. Um, and I believe this is how they would be, uh, you know, it wouldn't change a whole lot for them. Yeah. You no, know, no this- more Netflix, no more easy electricity, but a lot of those people, are already off the grid. And a lot of those people raise their own cattle. And a lot of those people fucking have a garden. And um, that's why I tried to portray Wayne County as almost this like borderline thriving community, right? There's multiple restaurants that are open. There's trade, you know? And it's because they are a cattle-based community. They have something of value. And not only that, but they are just a community. The lack of that in the modern world is is just astounding to me, yeah. is the yeah. fact that people don't talk to their neighbors. They don't know each other. And in the story, you know, whenever um, – I, I forget their names, but the guys that uh, Matt, you know, hooked up to the bike, <laughs> bike uh, thing up in the canyon – Whenever they got back into town, they started saying, oh, you know, they, they you know, beat us up and, and robbed us. And everyone's like, all right, yeah, sure. Okay, we know what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because they knew that they were probably the people that would do that kind of thing. Yeah. And the fact that that community knew each other, they knew that Matt and Hayduke were likely not a threat. Mm-hmm. And were even rewarded whenever they returned stolen things that they had relieved of possession yeah that was another i'm telling you like the fun part of writing this shit was was like i kind of said like closing loops um or like finishing thoughts you might say like so like these these ne'er-do-wells in the community like try to hold up our main characters and then they have to sort of address it like in public and um turns out that the community doesn't care much for these ne'er-do-wells and actually, you know, kind of prefers that somebody kicks their ass. <laughs> you know what I, like Exactly. It's um it's a funny thought where like you're sitting at this cafe, right? That 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 was another really fun scene to write. That dialogue of like um everybody tiptoeing around the truth, right? Right, it was that it tense, like, is it, are they going to be, like, mad? Are they going to be happy? (laughs) You know, they're passing information, and only, like, two people know what's actually being passed back and forth. Everyone else is kind of oblivious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a a fun one to write. It was. Yeah. What do you got, Garrett? Well, uh, this is uh, something I was wondering, um, especially with, you know, the talk of the trades um what uh what would you consider uh you know being like uh, good things to maybe get into like uh, i know obviously carpentry you know i've been i've been kind of thinking about you know maybe maybe doing something different 
um, you know, what, what would you recommend that would be something, you know, useful after, I guess, maybe the lights go out? I don't, I mean, there's like a million answers, right? Um, I think a basic understanding. So you, when I jump back on, when I put my headphones on, y'all were talking about like polymath, you know, and, and whether or not you could be the best at something. It's like, I've never been the best at anything. I choose polymath maybe because of that. Like if I was the best at something, I'd, I wouldn't be living in a garage. Uh, but <laughs> what I am good at is a lot of things in little ways. Right. So I have a basic understanding of electricity. I have a basic understanding of mechanical engineering. Like I can work on trucks. I can, I can build furniture. I can wire a fucking lamp. Like, without electric, you know, electrocuting myself. And like, you know, it's like, uh, Tim, the tool man, y'all follow him, Tim, the tool man cook, not, not the one from, uh, home improvement, but this guy, I, like, I don't, but I need to, yeah, man, I've heard he, you mentioned him a couple times. He was at, he was at self-reliance fest and he's got a YouTube channel where all he does is review tools, all kinds of tools for different shit. And he's like a handyman and, his knowledge is impressive, but you can tell he knows enough about whatever he wants to know about. You know, that's the difference maybe between like an expert and a polymath is recognizing when you know sort of enough, right? And this is kind of something I insinuated at in the book where it's like this idea that everything went dark and people by, by nature of the situation had to learn they had to gain a technological uh vocabulary they had to learn how to fix broken electronics um but truth be told i just don't think you can ever really like me personally i don't have the motivation to learn anything until i decide it's worth learning right like when do i learn how to fix my busted fucking you know, power steering pump when it, when it, when it fucking breaks, right? Like that's when I need to know it. And that's when I learn it now in terms of preparedness and learning things in advance, like your guess is kind of as good as mine. But like I said, you know, it's sort of the basics of how things work, you know, electricity. Uh, and I hate to say it, but like all this, crypto stuff it's still so far over my head i'm writing about crypto in the book but i'm like i'm like i don't even know if this shit makes logical sense um but i think those are important things to know at least enough enough about to have a you know what you might call a working knowledge right well and every polymath is going to have something that he's good at especially like and not every polymath is just going to be good at everything you're gonna nobody's, have that nobody's one, good at everything. Right? Exactly. You're going to have that one specific category that you're, you, you could probably be considered an, an expert at. I mean, um, it's just one of those things of life, and it's a, it's a very important thing in that book, and, and just surviving without the modern comforts, uh, comforts of just life. No, I don't have to go to the well and grab a bucket of water to, you know, go take a bath with. I can just turn a faucet. For now. Yeah, for now. <laughs> I, 
I lived I lived fully off grid and I did have to fetch a pail of water and heat it up on a wood stove to take a bath, you know, in the winter. That was yeah. that was my routine. You never know. And if shit falls apart, we might all go back to that. But uh you know, it's like when I was on when I was on uh the survival podcast, Garrett, do you listen to TSP? Do either uh, of you? I have. I, do not. I haven't followed it in a while. Yeah. Well, when I was on there, we, and we were discussing what it means to be a polymath, and uh, and we kind of came to the agreement that instead of jack of all trades, master of none, maybe a better definition would be like jack of a uh, jack of many trades, master of a couple, something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, so maybe yeah. And well, I I honestly think like yeah, you can't learn it all, so you might as well learn more about whatever it is that interests you that has genuine value you know is that building stuff out of wood is that you know concrete is it electrical engineering i mean i don't know like some people get their jollies off carving stumps into freaking owls and you know totem poles and shit like whatever it is you're into just fucking keep getting better at that and learn what you need to learn along the way right like I said, when your shit breaks down, when the washing machine goes out, fucking fix it. Like YouTube's amazing. When we don't have YouTube no more, eh, I guess we're kind of stuck with what we've learned. Um, or what your community knows. Or I mean, what your you, community knows. You fill knows. in those yeah. holes with your community. Yeah, right. the, com- the community aspect, that's uh, one thing I have learned. Uh, it's not knowing how to fix it. It's knowing who to call, who knows how to fix it. And maybe a five minute conversation on the phone and they can talk you through it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 Hmm. All right. What else you got for me, boys? <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. This is like a, it's a reverse podcast. I'm asking y'all to lead, lead the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the code talk that you, that you did during the fight scenes, how did you did you do any sort of research with that, or is that just your basic code talk that you just kind of know from being in the National Park Service? I knew. Okay, again, uh, this this is going along with the theme of before, but I knew enough about ten codes to know that there was a whole fucking slew of them. And um, when it comes to radio talk, I had I had done enough radio communication. To understand, I guess, the protocol, like the etiquette, um, like how you're supposed to speak into a radio. I did not know all of the fucking codes, right? Like I did a little bit of Googling, but not a whole lot, right? Like enough to fill in the blanks, right? And if you put a gun to my head and said, you know, what's a code 1021, I would I would not be able to tell you. <laughs> You know, but like, right. But, um, it's the kind of thing where in that whole scene, I was almost touching on the fact that some people, you know, there are what, like four to six people on this like radio channel, right? They're all communicating and some have more knowledge of 10 codes than others, but they're figuring out in real time in a real fucked up situation how to get the pertinent information across without making it too convoluted. So it's kind of, you know, is 
that was a again i had fun writing every goddamn chapter who am i kidding every chapter is my favorite chapter but uh <laughs> but like that was fun to write because it's like yeah like if i was in this situation and i had limited knowledge like what would i say when my goal is to not give away too much information to anybody else who's not a part of our team who might be eavesdropping right um, and and making a code beforehand is an extremely important part of doing that. Like, because code talk is a huge thing in anything that where you're trying to keep secret. Because I mean, you got to think World War II. They had you know the the infamous or not infamous but famous uh, Navajo to- Navajo talkers. You know, mm-hmm. they had an uncrackable code that Japanese and the Nazis just could not crack because it wasn't a written down language. So having something that no one else knows besides those people in your circle um, is an extremely important thing to have in that kind of situation, or Mm -hmm. at least a rudimentary um, knowledge of the enemy's code, if, if possible. Because, I mean, that is just as important as knowing what you're saying is knowing what they are saying as well. If you have the capability to hear their comms. Yeah, yeah. So do you have any working knowledge of, like, ham radio or anything like that? or I Not not ham. Um, my, my limited knowledge of radio comms was when I worked for the Park Service. And I had a radio, and I knew my, my call sign, you know, I... I can't remember what it is now. It's like five, eleven, or what you know. Each each department, you know, is you know one through seven or whatever. So if you were calling admin uh, you know, administration, it was you know one dash you know whoever one through seven people. I was I was in you know the resources and sciences department, and I was a lowly intern, so I was like you know. 511. Anybody that called 511, that was, you know, for me, nobody ever fucking called it hardly. Uh, but if I had to respond, you know, Hey, four, two, this is 511. Uh, yeah, I'll be there in, you know, two minutes, blah, blah, blah. But you, you learn enough to know that you just don't fucking, it's like talking on the radio. You use as few words as possible, just like poetry. Try to get the point across as quick as fucking possible. And um, I don't know. It makes sense to me. Like me and my buddies, when we were kids, we used to play with radios and stuff. Like, it's funny to think I got more training out of a plastic M16 replica airsoft rifle. Shooting my buddies in the backyard. You know, I've gotten more training from that than I have like legit combat skills training um i'm on a tangent here but point being it's like you never know where you're getting you know you pick these skills up along the way whether you mean to or not i guess yeah Hmm. Uh, what uh what themes were you intending to write uh you know the book about i mean i know the amazon link says you know friendship i know freedom and you know self-reliance being independent is a big thing. I mean, what uh, what were you trying to, you know, base the book on? Well, like I kind of said, it's almost like I... 
I just started and I didn't I didn't exactly know what I wanted to write until I wrote it. Um Honestly, I just felt like I needed to fucking get it all out and like there were there was no um there was no agenda or like premeditated this is the theme of the book. Um it just kind of came out as it came out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean uh, I assume that's how a lot of good literature is written whether it's poetry, books, you know, it's just how you're feeling in that moment. You're you're not letting your <clears throat> your inhibitions get in the way. It's just your your emotions and what you're feeling in the moment and how you would probably feel in the moment coming out. <clears throat> I think yeah, that like it was almost like I had to invent these characters and these stories and I had to let myself empathize with what they would be feeling right um and it actually it was it was a challenge but it was um i don't know if i had to be drunk to do it but it was kind of like as these characters came out like this flow of <laughs> writing and drinking and 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 kind of not um to be frank, like not paying attention to anything else except the story in my head. <laughs> Sounds like a crazy person talking, but that's how it was. It was, um, it was kind of, I had to itself. shut everything out and, and let it, let it come out as it wanted to. It's like it took it, you know, its own course. Yeah, no, I definitely know what you mean. So um, another part of the story was, what was the idea for the state fair at the end? <laughs> the the funny thing was, um, so Laura Joe, right in the story, right, is a real person, as are Jim and Maggie, and these are some of my like best friends. They're they're old people, and they hang out at the bar that I go to, and. The week that I was writing the end of the book was the week, the last week of the state fair. And we were talking about going. And uh, we didn't go. <laughs> you know, like, we we just didn't. I, like, I was writing. I was busy. And everybody else, like, nobody made a point to be like, let's go to the fair today. But we talked right. about it for, like, two weeks. Like, let's go to the fair. Let's go to the fair. And I've been to the state fair. So I know what it looks like and I know what it feels like and I love it. I love it. Um, but when it came to writing that last chapter, it was almost like, okay, if we had gone to the state fair and if all this other shit had un, you know, unfolded in the meantime, like what would that, what would that, you know, and it, it was, <clears throat> it was a very intentional attempt to, like paint a picture of normalcy after this totally crazy fucked up, like world falling apart situation, right? Like what's more normal than the state fair? And like, would you expect the state fair to be up and running, you know, a handful of years after a global fucking blackout? Like you might not expect that, but but I kind of do like, 
Well, if, 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 if the world falls apart, what are the first things people choose to reinstate, to put back together? Like, I think the fair is one of them, you know, it's tradition. So yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, even though this is like a crazy world, um, you know, the, the, the character is, you know, shooting fucking, you know, metal ducks in a shooting gallery, uh, winning a stuffed animal for his woman. Like, what could be more normal, right? <laughs> right. Well, and you got to think, there there has to be some sort of sharing of knowledge after this collapse. And um, there's a really awesome video that I saw recently. It was a guest on Joe Rogan's podcast who was talking about an ancient city that was um, mm. populated thousands of years before they thought that civilization was settled in that area it was yeah uh, it's called Goblecki Tepe and they have done more research into it and they they see they the leading theory of why this was capable was because people gathered there to share knowledge mm-hmm. and I feel that there is going if something like that were to happen that people are going to naturally gather and want to share knowledge to fill in those gaps of knowledge that they have and just to communicate with other human beings as well. I mean, we're social people. Even the most antisocial person has to have at least some communication with other people. Otherwise, they're going to go fucking insane. Mm. It's just part of being human. And I feel that that state fair whether or not you realized it would be something that maybe not necessarily a state fair with like roller coasters and shooting galleries and stuff, but there would be something like self-reliance fest. There would be well, Childerberg. There would every be those state fair has things. every state fair has livestock and like there's, there's well, a component yeah, to that, that as well. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think of that return to agriculture, right? You know, people putting in their pickles and, you know, showing animals and stuff like that. And just trading as well. Well, it seems it seems to me um, at its core like a very essential, like the state fair is a very essential thing in terms of community, in terms of trade, in terms of normalcy and culture. And you know, um, I liked I liked at the very end there painting a picture of a world not so crazy dissimilar from what we have now but maybe a little more grounded a little more rooted in in what actually fucking matters you know even if you are still gnawing on a turkey leg from some you know trailer (laughs) vendor you know what i mean like (laughs) but i mean well yeah that's the thing though is is some people would see that as a dystopia but that's just humans being humans Mm -hmm. you know after a great calamity we just build back up i mean we've seen it we uh, um, there's all sorts of evidence that there is you know some sort of event that happens and we go to the brink of collapse but we come back through that community and and coming back together and building back you know it's just it's the indomitable indomitable human spirit Mm -hmm. you know i tried to kind of like People kept asking me as I was writing and I'd tell them like a little bit about what it was about. They'd say, oh, is it like dystopian or is it or is it utopian? It's like it's neither. 
I I'd like to think it's halfway realistic. Um, you know, there is no, I don't believe in utopia. I don't believe in dystopia, you know, barring like full blown nuclear annihilation. I think people will sort shit out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Even if it's ugly for a little while, uh, that's why I, that's why I chose to skip over all the ugliness, damn near. Um, yeah, you know, barely barely telling any stories from, you know, what I kind of allude to is like the dark months or the uh, the chaotic months. Uh, you know, the great blackout. It's like all you all you get in the story is that one kind of scene where he has to kill a man to get home, right? And uh, I figure that was the the pivotal moment and anything, anything after was just unnecessary detail. Um, you know, I didn't want to write like prepper porn, right? Yeah. I, I like that. That's kind of where this book separated itself from everything else that would be in the genre. You know, I mean, you read one or two, you know, in the world books, they all sound the same, you know? Right. Right. Very uh, rarely do you see, you know, a family walking through a state fair after, you know, total societal collapse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, kind of an odd, an oddball family at that. that right. You know. Go ahead, Garrett. What I was going to say it, it might throw back to, you know, what we might picture, you know, the 1920s or 30s. You know, I mean, you, you still got cars and some limited electricity, but, you know, the, the fair, you know, the state fair, the county fair, you know, farmers markets, those would be places where you would go meet your community, you know, when you weren't at home working, you know, on the farm. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, it just it felt right to end the end the story there. Right. And I like I the idea of, of, of uh, maybe I'm like a misogynist, but I like the idea of the, the wife slash mother, like dropping her husband and all his goofy friends off at the bar and saying, come home whenever the fuck you want. <laughs> you know, it's like, like as a, as a wrap up, as a wrap up, that was just, it felt like the right thing. Like, normal like you know part of me wanted to touch on the fact that you know supposedly this this character his um his identity has been compromised right there are nefarious people who want him dead and they now know who he is right and i don't really address that at the end of the book it's another one of those things where it's kind of like i leave it to let you know let the reader fill in the blanks but it's like you know i talk about how he he bought a townhouse and he's you know going to buy some property or whatever and, you know all with the gold blah 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 and um but it's kind of like i'm i'm leaving it up to the reader to to fill in the blanks that you know he bought that townhouse in a in a false name and even though he's going to the same bar he used to go to like that's a calculated risk and he he knows that maybe there's an agent of the state that might track him down and kill him, but he's not going to stop living in the meantime. Like, does that all make sense? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I thought about all of this shit. I'm like, I don't really want to end it on like a paranoid note. I want to end it on a hopeful, <laughs> faithful, positive note. 
And I think that's important. If I wanted to, I could have had a freaking jackbooted stormtrooper come in and shoot him and his wife in the last chapter. But that's not the story I wanted, you know? You wouldn't have a good leg to stand on, then. Yeah. Yeah, then it'd just be every other, you know, fucking post-apocalyptic novel where the, the hero dies at the end because, you know, X reason. But now it's, you know, you have this huge issue, but you just return to normal. You know, mm-hmm. it's not that far-fetched. And I imagine most people's minds in this sphere of thought. Well, I tell you what, boys, we're we're coming up on two hours. I'm open to more ideas, more discussion, but I don't want to drag it out. Y'all, yeah, y'all have anything? I, I, don't, I don't know what else. I was going to be kind of out on uh, book ideas. Uh, I'd have to, I'd have to have my copy in front of me, so I can hang around if y'all want to keep talking. Well, what do you got, Dennis? I don't know. I think that sums it up pretty well. Um, yeah. Book wise, just it, it's a good book. And there's there's important themes in there, whether you know you take that to heart or not. Um, it's not a serious book. It's a book meant to be fun, but it's also a book meant to show that maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing if we were all to return to community and get to know our neighbors again. Mm. Well, it does. I, I got to say, I'll get a little sappy here. It means a lot that y'all read every goddamn page, you know, because like. There's plenty of folks who I've sold copies to who won't read it, you know. And that's just I don't And that's the way it is, but If you're just if you're just looking to give, you know, you money and you buy a book and have no intention to read it, you might as well just give you money. I mean, <laughs> otherwise it's just kind of a prick move to just be like, "Oh yeah, I'll read your book and then just let it sit on yeah. the on the bookshelf and never be read, never be touched. Oh, it's a cool cover. That's why I bought the book. The cover really? is actually cool. <laughs> hey. No, it, it's a beautiful cover. I'll, I'll 100% agree with that. I'm I'll not pass, saying that's I'll pass why. that on to my boy Hunter. Cause he, yeah, no, it, he, he did that. very good work on it. It is, um, it is a photograph that I took that he altered though. So I'll take some, some credit. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people really do just need to get together and to interact in person, you know, not, no one's going to agree a hundred percent with everyone. The only person that you're going to hundred percent agree with is yourself. Hmm. And that's dangerous, but well, I yeah. feel I, I'm picking up what you're laying down, man. And I'm really, I'm really fucking glad that that's kind of the theme apparently that, that came through. For me, sounds, at least. I it mean, sounds like I'm, everyone yeah. else is going to pick different, you know, themes. I mean, mm-hmm. everything, every little detail in the book is going to speak to everyone differently. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, Gary. I mean, from the uh, the um, manhood passage that I, or paragraph that I had read, he had something completely different to say about it, mm. and it was an extra. It was just as an equally valid point to pull out of that same paragraph. It just everyone's brains work works differently and that's another thing is it not necessarily a theme of the book but it just shows the individ individuality 
of human experience. Well said. Yeah, I mean, I've I've reread multiple books, uh, you know, Edward Abbey's or otherwise, and it's like you get something out of it each time you read it. Uh, read something a little bit differently because yeah, you've yeah. had a little bit more different experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well, shucks. Garrett, you got anything to say, man? I think we ought to wind it up here. Uh, yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll I'll say about the book is I like how, there, to me, there's like that polar opposite of, you know, east of the Mississippi versus, you know, west of the Mississippi. You know, I feel like when you go, you know, in that Iowa, Nebraska, you know, Wyoming, you know, part of the world, the people really are, you know, more independent. I mean, you know, I had mentioned, you know, to you, I guess, what, about a month ago that I had gone out there. And I mean, to me, it, it was just amazing, you know, I mean, even reading through some of the passages of the book, you can, you can tell how wild the landscape is, you know, that, you know, you've got to be a, a bad motherfucker to, you know, live out there because it's hard, you know? Um, and then you can kind of see, you know, uh, you know, when you go back to Indianapolis, you know, uh, Indianapolis at the end, you know, it's a, it seems like it's a slower pace, you know, things are, you know, more community focused and relaxed, you know? Um, you know, it's a, it's an easier life. Yeah. And it's not yeah. an easier life. It's just, it's a, it's a life that is simpler. Well, I think his point is it's, um, well, it's the, it's the wilds versus civilization, right? That's true. I mean, you and gotta what, think. What does civilization look like after the fall of civilization? You know? Yeah. And I, I, I hope it is slower and simpler that's my hope you know no and you gotta think the amount of time that the east coast has been settled versus everywhere else in the united states it is a much different place where it it in some ways it's still kind of a frontier uh, there's so much land and mm -hmm. the distance between from town to town you know i'm in texas so 15 miles from town to town is nothing to, to scoff at, mm -hmm. but over on the East coast are stacked on top of each other. Like it's nobody's business. Well, that is, that's kind of something that, uh, well, me and BR just talked about it. I had him on, uh, about a week ago and he said, and I like the way he said it. He said, you can still find the frontier in America. And I, I agree. Um, and that was kind of part of, like, I think what you're getting at here, Garrett, with the difference between, like, what it was, you know, and the, the choice that the character makes to, like, live partly in Indiana and partly in Utah, it's kind of like the, um, he needs the frontier still. But at the same time, like, the community where he is from, like, the, the home, the home you can't replace home, even if it's not perfect. Um, but thank God the character wasn't from New York City. You know, it's like, fuck that. That would have been a short book. <laughs> well, that's why I, I, I really do think it would be super, super interesting for the next project to be, uh, you know, writing a story from the other side of the lines, like from from. Yeah, I'd love to do more of like an espionage uh, kind of style, like, you know, spies on the East Coast uh, 
coordinating with rebels inside the Midwest and like, you know, shit like, like that. New Hampshire. You could do New Hampshire with right, the right. New Hampshire Part, state. Partly it's hard because uh, I'm not as familiar like geographically, but that that's a that's a challenge yet to be tackled. I think I can figure that shit out. I just got to go spend some time. Um, the road tripping. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, fellas, I, you know, I, I really, I mean it. I'm grateful that you read it. I'm grateful that you took the time to come on here and talk about it. Um, you know, I really can't, I can't ask for much more from, uh, from my podcast family. You guys are, you guys are leading the way and you're, you're really helping. Um, what, what, what you're doing for easy peasy is no small thing. So I appreciate it. I really do. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like what you're doing. You, you have great ambitions, especially with the podcast and your gardening business of expanding beyond just yourself and making a community and, and coming back to that community and that topic. Um, I, I think it's one of the biggest reasons why your podcast is important in my eyes is you you've been on every sort of podcast you've been on the survival podcast you've been on brs brs been on yours um and everyone else that you've connected with i know you had a live stream with uh what's his name i, I caught some of it um the lots project yes uh, the lots project yes yeah. thank you yeah. i caught some of that and you know just interacting with the different communities communities and cross-pollinating like y'all talked about in your in your last episode um it's an extremely important thing to do in especially this niche community of you know like-minded people whether you're anarchist libertarian apolitical who cares as long as you're here to be a voice of freedom nobody's gonna judge you Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Garrett, what do you got for yourself? I'll say amen. That's a hell of a way to end it. Amen. I agree. I agree. I appreciate it. No, I mean, it really is. It's all about community. And the more we can connect and and network and do this shit, like, you know, it was almost like a little bit of escapism to write that book. But I knew that it was worth doing because the point was to – was to show how important like human connection and human experience is. And it's not, it's not an easy idea to illustrate or to, uh, you know, articulate, but that's why it takes 300 some pages. It's like, we, we've got to not only like prepare, but we have to connect and we also have to chill out and realize like shit might just work out. (laughs) You know, know, there's a little bit of that to be said, too. You got to have your self-reliance fest and you got to have your Choderbergs, you know, it's that balance. Well said. Well said, man. Well, fuck. All right, Garrett, you got to come to Childerberg, bro, at this point. Yeah, I guess I'm going to have to make the trip out there. (laughs) Um, I hope you're there, man. I'm going to be there. I'm only a three hour drive. It's an easy drive for me. Yeah. Fuck I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there every year that I can try 23 Um, hours. Oh dude. I'm about to, I'm about to drive to Washington. Are you? You going to squatch or what? 
Uh, no, I'm going to go see a buddy up there. Um, huh. the couple pictures I do have on my Instagram are from that trip. And, um, I just can go up there. I want to, I've told you about going to Utah. I'm going to make my way through there. See, uh-huh. you know, a couple spots in the book, you know, a little bit I can. And I've built in an extra explore. couple days, bro. Just, <laughs> yeah, just I do. I have, I have <laughs> a little on. bit of time. Yeah. Utah. No, you really, you really should hang out in Capitol Reef if you can. Well, I'll probably be heading back around Christmas. And honestly, I don't have to be back at work until the second. Well, I've got a friend. I've got a friend who runs a Jeep tour guide company. Um, and whether or not she, you know, she might be able to take you on a little Jeep tour. Uh, and if not that, she could at the very least probably like point you in the right direction, you know, give you some yeah. pointers, whatever. But I do, I, I still have friends out there. Uh, like I said, I could probably introduce you to Ed from the book. <laughs> <laughs> Ed's a really good dude. So, uh, that'd be a trip. That'd be a trip, but, uh, it would be. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I didn't mean to get on a tangent, but I mean, come to Childerberg. I, I think I'm getting Skinwalker Tactical to come, you know? Sweet. I was going to say, I, I, I hope that dude, to it. I hope that dude, if I have any, um, I hope I've inspired him to maybe finish his shit because I want to read it, man. Dude, I, have you it. got to read any of it? I mean, I've read some of his little like drops. And oh, stuff, you need but... to ask him for the rough draft. I've read a little yeah. bit of it. I actually read yeah. his first, and then you sent me yours. And I was like, ah, I'm a proofreader now. It's official. <laughs> that's cool. And he, very good. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it, that's the thing with his work is it's very much along the same lines as yours. You know, you have this collapse. He doesn't really touch on what happens. It's that point afterwards of people building back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think his world's a little, um, it's a bit more dystopian. No, it, it, a it is darker than mine maybe, but, but it still has that tone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe it's not darker, but the shit, you know, he's shedding light on the darker sides of it. Exactly. Like, there's, there's plenty of darkness that I chose not to write about. Um, yep. but cool, man. Cool. All right. Well, uh, last chance, say what you got to say, and we're going to call it a day. I was going to say All Utah right. is absolutely amazing. Uh, by far the most beautiful place in the U S I've been. I mean, you'll mm-hmm. love it, especially, mm-hmm. uh, I would think with snow on the ground, it would just bring another dimension to it out there. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I think maybe the next book needs to take place in winter because pretty much the entirety of this one was uh, summer. And uh, fuck, it's cold out. I don't know. I don't know about where y'all are at. Dennis, fuck you down in Texas. It's fucking 39, okay? It hasn't gone above like 50 all week, and I'm pissed off because I hate the fucking cold. It's been Not brutal. Fun. It's been brutal here. So I think I need to write a winter tale. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's 58 in uh, Orlando, and I'm freezing my ass off. I'm I'm getting used to this. Uh, <laughs> I'm right there with you, dude. Ride. Like below 60, I'm like sitting there fucking shivering. <laughs> Bro, I was out there working. It was 29 and snowing today, man. And I was that. I was yeah, I was not having it. Went and had big bowl of chili, and that kind of halfway got me warmed up. But <laughs> all right, well, I think that's enough bullshitting for now, boys. Yep. Uh, Thanks again. I really, I mean it. Appreciate you coming on and uh, I'll, I'll end the recording. We can say our goodbyes then, but I guess, uh, yeah. Appreciate you. (laughs) Anytime. Thank you. Right on.